The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host, Hello, everyone. I hope you are all well. I'm Rochelle McLaughlin, and I'd like to welcome you to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to wish all the listeners of Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio a happy first year birthday, as it's been almost exactly one year since we started this amazing radio show. We have reached almost 50,000 listens since the show began in just this past year, and we were so honored to have Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride on as one of our first guests. And I'm thrilled that Dr. Natasha is joining us again today. And if you missed Dr. Natasha's first episode, you can access that in the archives for free. That particular episode is still one of the most popular shows so far on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. And you will know why when you listen in. Dr. Natasha is a powerful and articulate voice for self-healing. She's the creator of the concept of gaps, gut and psychology, gut and physiology syndrome. The GAPS nutritional protocol is being used successfully by hundreds of thousands of people around the world for treating a plethora of chronic health problems from mental illness to physical disorders. Her first book, Gut and Psychology Syndrome, which was featured in the 2016 September episode on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. She has been, this book has been translated and published in 16 languages. Dr. Natasha also holds a degree in medicine and a post and postgraduate degrees in both neurology and human nutrition. She's a keynote speaker at many professional conferences and seminars worldwide. She's also a member of the Society of Authors, the British Society for Environmental Medicine, and a board member of the Weston A. Price Foundation. She's a regular contributing health editor to a number of journals, magazines, newsletters, and radio programs around the world. Dr. Natasha also wrote a groundbreaking article for our first issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine that is available for you for free for now on our website at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. So definitely check that out. Uh, Before we get started with our conversation today, I have a couple very exciting announcements for you. You, my listeners, are the first to know about an emerging adventure I'm embarking on that really is in response to my own heartbreak over all that is unfolding in these challenging times, joined with the profound love affair I have with this beautiful world. I'm in the process of writing a book about becoming embodied with the intention of helping us all reclaim the wisdom of our bodies that is our birthright, and in the process embarking on a sensuous journey to our soul. And I would love your feedback about what's most called for as we bring forth this message. 
I'm honored to have Bio Okomalafe with me on this journey of birthing this book. And we have created a Facebook page called Becoming Embodied that is meant to be used as a platform for expressing the essence of what wants to emerge. So please check that out. There's a link to the Becoming Embodied Facebook page on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's webpage on Voice America. And you can also find it at Becoming Embodied on Facebook. And we just, again, really appreciate your thoughts. Thank you so much for taking your the time out of your busy lives to engage with this birth. And we look forward to hearing from you. And if you haven't already checked it out, the second beautiful issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is available online for free for you now. So definitely check it out soon. And I have a little sneak peek video available about the magazine on Facebook on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's uh, page. And there's so much, there's just so much right with the world. And this magazine is on a mission to amplify the me- the messages of a very, of a few very extraordinary change agents of integrity. And I feel so blessed to share their messages with the world in the way that I do through this magazine and this radio show. And so without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with another extraordinary change agent of integrity that is Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride about why so many of us are so ill. Dr. Natasha, welcome. It is an honor to have you here with us again for this timely conversation. Thank you for the invitation. I'm very happy to be here again. Dr. Natasha, for those listeners that may be hearing about your work for the first time, can you talk a bit about what is the gut and physiology syndrome? What kind of people are we talking about? Gut and physiology syndrome and gut and psychology syndrome, both in the English language, abbreviate to the same GAPS. And GAPS, since uh, my first book was published in 2004, has become a, a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, it's, it's a movement around the world. The first book focused on the mental illness, on learning disabilities in children, such as autism and hyperactivity and dyslexia, dyspraxia, and all other problems that increasing proportion of children in the West are suffering from now, and on mental illness that many people suffer from. As I was working with these patients and realized that these patients are physically very ill, that they have many, many physical problems, that the same cause of their mental illness was causing all those physical problems too. And as we started healing the person and dealing with the cause of the mental problems, the physical symptoms started disappearing as well. And I realized that our digestive system holds the roots to our health in every organ, every tissue, everywhere in the human body. GAPS is a concept where what Hippocrates uh, said 2000, almost 2,000 years ago, that all diseases begin in the gut. And the more we work in our clinic nowadays, the more we realize just how correct he was. Indeed, every illness chronic illness, whether it is mental or physical, begins in the digestive system. And when we look at the digestive system, we realize that what lives there and what takes care of it is a huge part of it all. And that is our gut flora. Recent research has discovered the fact that 90% of all cells in the human body are in our gut flora, which makes us, the body, just 10%. Our bodies are a shell, a habitat for this mass of microbes which live inside us. And just like 
the life is complicated, complex and beautiful on the planet Earth. It is just as complex in your gut, in that gut flora. It has a myriad of various creatures living there alongside each other and they plant each other and harvest each other and eat each other and control each other. And uh, the more we human beings interfere in its life, the more we reduce diversity of various microbes which live in the digestive system, the more we change the proportions of them, and the more we damage the gut flora in a person. Large proportion of people in the Western world in particular have damaged gut flora because of use of antibiotics. Antibiotics wipe out a whole host of beneficial bacteria from the digestive system. These bacteria were controlling all kinds of different creatures which are resistant to antibiotics. As a result, these creatures suddenly become uncontrolled and they grow and they evolve and they produce lots of babies and they occupy new niches in the digestive system of the person. So from one course of antibiotic to the next course of antibiotic and to the next course of antibiotic, there is less and less of harmony and health remains in the gut flora and more and more of imbalance and disorder is created in there where pathogenic species and many species of microbes which were used, used to be perfectly benign and even beneficial for us suddenly when they overgrow become pathogenic in the digestive system. And our science only recently started researching the whole area. We know virtually nothing, how it all works, how they control each other. And we certainly have no effective tools um, from a scientific point of view to interfere in that area. None whatsoever. Apart from prescription antibiotics, we consume antibiotics in our food because the modern food production, the agriculture, uses all kinds of chemicals which in their nature are antibiotics. Fungicides and pesticides and uh, herbicides and other things. And all our plant matter that we eat is laced with them. <clears throat> and the meat and the milk and the eggs and the fish, everything pretty much has residues of these things. So every time you eat, you're putting antibiotics into your digestive system in the Western world and you're damaging your gut flora. When a person has damaged gut flora, the food doesn't digest properly because gut flora takes a huge part in appropriate digestion and absorption of food. At the same time, the pathogens that overgrow there damage the integrity of the gut wall, making it porous and leaky. So foods don't get the chance to be digested properly before they absorb. They absorb undigested and the immune system reacts to them, causing foods, food allergies and intolerances and all kinds of reactions in the body. And toxicity absorbs from the digestive system because pathogenic gut flora produces a myriad of very toxic chemicals and they absorb. So in a person with gaps, gut in psychology and gut in physiology syndrome, their digestive system, instead of being a source of nourishment for the person, as it is supposed to be in nature, becomes a major source of toxicity. The person becomes malnourished, they're not digesting and absorbing their food properly, no matter how good the quality of that food might be, and a river of toxicity flows from the gut into the blood of the person, into the lymph of the person, and get distributed around the body. And wherever this toxic flow gets to, it would cause symptoms in the body. Number one group of people who fall into this category are people with an autoimmune disease. 
The more we study autoimmunity, the more we realize that pretty much every chronic disease has an autoimmune component. The immune system is attacking its own tissues. Your immune system is attacking you, basically. Why does that happen? Philof the, the, the physiology uh, in the 1930s has discovered the fact that about 85% of all our immune system is located in the gut wall. So our digestive system is the biggest and the most important immune organ in the body. And when the gut floor is abnormal, this immune organ is malnourished, it's not being fed properly, it is intoxicated, and the information that comes from the digestive system from the abnormal gut flora is confusing for the immune system. It gets it unbalanced and it, it makes it malfunction and uh, switch on inflammation and switch on autoimmunity and other reactions. All autoimmunity is born in the gut. I have no doubt about it. Every autoimmune condition stems from the gut, whether this is multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or psoriasis or nephropathy or anything else. There's about 200 conditions now have been pronounced as autoimmune. Every person with abnormal gut flora has an autoimmune component in their body, autoimmunity going on in their body. There are many mechanisms of autoimmunity in the body. One major mechanism is toxicity. Toxins which absorb from the gut into the bloodstream like to attach themselves to certain receptors in the body. And every toxin, due to its chemical three-dimensional structure, fits in like a hand in a glove into different receptors. And when they do that, they change the three-dimensional structure of that receptor of that uh, protein in the body. Your immune system goes around the body all the time surveying it. And when it finds this changed protein, it looks at it and says, you're not mine. I don't recognize you as mine anymore. You've changed. And at first it would launch non-specific response, inflammation. Inflammation is a wonderful, wonderful reaction that our immune system has. It kills the invader, it cleans up the place, and it withdraws itself. But if this process goes on for a month or two months, the inflammation will not be enough in a person's body. The body will produce antibodies. The immune system will have enough time to learn about these changed molecules, these changed protein molecules, and create specific weapons against them called antibodies. And here you are, you've got an autoimmune disease. Your own proteins in the body are being attacked because they are contaminated. They're dirty. They're contaminated by toxicity coming out of your digestive system. This is a very important component of gut and physiology syndrome. Pretty much every person with this condition has an autoimmune component. So every autoimmune disease is the GAPS condition. No matter how far away from the digestive system it might manifest itself. People generally wouldn't think that psoriasis has anything to do with the digestive system. Or schizophrenia, mm -hmm. or rheumatoid arthritis, or nephropathy, or anything else uh, like that. Yeah. Collagen disorders are a particularly important part of GAPS. Uh, collagen is a ubiquitous, the most ubiquitous protein in the body. It's an elastic protein which holds our bodies together. And unfortunately, it has many receptors on it which are very, very attractive for chemicals, for toxic chemicals which come out of the activity of the pathogenic gut flora. These chemicals attach themselves to collagen in the body and make it a target for the immune system. So initially the immune system launches inflammation, so the person might get arthritis because your joints are largely made out of collagen. So you might get arthritis, acute arthritis or chronic or just aching joints. 
and then give it a couple of months autoimmunity switches on and you get develop a, a, an autoimmune condition such as osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis or any other form of autoimmune arthritis. Mm-hmm. When this river of toxicity flows into the body, it breaks the body's detoxification system. Our, our bodies are equipped with a wonderful cleaner in the body called a detox system with the headquarters in the liver and departments in every cell. It's a system which keeps us clean on the inside. It works all the time and it works very hard in the Western world. And in a person where there is a river of toxicity coming in all the time from the digestive system, this system gets broken, broken down, doesn't work anymore. The person starts accumulating toxicity. And that's the moment when the person starts getting fatigue. The body cannot produce enough energy. The person starts developing chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, myalgic encephalomyelitis, or another condition where the major feature of it is tiredness, low energy production in these people. And it's it's very, very common feature of GAPS. In order to help these people, we have to look at the gut. We have to focus on healing and sealing the gut wall and changing the gut floor of the person, restoring the normal balance of microbes in the gut floor of the person. Once that happens, the river of toxicity stops and the detox system has a chance to recover. And once it recovers, that's the morning that the person wakes up and they've got some energy. Maybe not 100% yet. Maybe just enough energy to go and make breakfast for children and maybe take them to school. And then... In the following weeks and months of continuing with the protocol, the person will start getting more and more energy. All allergies are a a GAPS condition. Every kind of allergy, whether it's anaphylactic allergy or intolerance or histamine intolerance or any other reaction like that. Because our immune system, 85% of which is located in the gut wall, has many branches to it many different branches. For a long time, we thought there were only two branches, uh, but now now this this 17 discovered and there's more branches being discovered all the time. These branches need to be in a proper balance. And what we find that the balancing agent in between all these branches is the gut flora. When the gut flora becomes abnormal, these branches get out of balance. And as a result, the, the immune system doesn't react to the environment the way it's supposed to react. The major arm of the immunity that is the most researched one is called Th1. And that's the arm that responds to the pollen, the dandruff from cats and dogs and horses, to foods, to chemicals in the environment, to the dust pollution, all these sort of things. If that arm is strong and functioning well, then you don't need to know what the pollen count is in the air. You will have no hay fever, you will have no reactions. You don't need to worry that a cat is sleeping right next to your face on your pillow <laughs> at night. <laughs> you will have no reaction. You don't need to worry anything about anything. But it's the gut flora that keeps TH1 arms strong and healthy and able to deal with the environment. When the gut flora is damaged, that arm of the immune system becomes disabled. So other arms of the immune system try to compensate for its disabled partner but they don't use the same tools to deal with the environment. They're not designed to deal with the environment. They use wrong tools. And as a result, you start developing hay fever and eczema and asthma and um, urticaria and different reactions and different uh, histamine intolerance and all sorts of different um, allergic manifestations in the body. 
Mm-hmm. Very large percent of Western population suffer from allergies. Very, very large. And every year this um, proportion of people is growing all the time because gaps, the abnormalities in the gut flora is an epidemic, absolute mm-hmm. epidemic. Every year this epidemic is becoming stronger and it's escalating. Why? Because of a major, major factor, how the gut flora is passed from generation to generation. Babies acquire their gut flora from the parents, from the moment of birth, and even from the the, the time the baby is in the utero during pregnancy, during nine months of pregnancy, the baby is already acquiring its gut flora from the mother. And then at the moment of birth, when the baby goes through the birth canal, the baby swallows mouthfuls of microbes which live in the birth canal of the mother. Mm -hmm. The birth canal flora comes from the bowel of the woman, and also the father shares his flora with the mother on a regular basis. So it comes from both parents. And uh, a growing proportion of young women and men who are having children now in the world have abnormal gut flora. And that is what they are passing to their children at the moment of birth. Mm -hmm. If the child was born by C-section, then the flora comes from the hands of people who look after the child, from the breast of the mother, and from the environment. But generally speaking, there are other ways that the parents and the uh, close family of the child pass their own gut flora to the child. Mm -hmm. And we have generations now, starting from the era of antibiotics, starting from the 60s, when antibiotics became widely available um, in the world, Generation after generation, the gut flora is getting more and more damaged. If a grandmother in the family had a couple of courses of antibiotics prior to having her daughter in the 60s, 70s, she passed her slightly damaged gut flora to that daughter at the moment of birth. Then her daughter grew up in the modern world where antibiotics were prescribed to her throughout her childhood for every cough and sneeze, and every course of antibiotic damaged her gut flora much more. Then the, uh, at the same time, breastfeeding went out of fashion. Uh, this child probably wasn't breastfed, was on, on the formula. Formula-fed babies develop completely different gut flora from the babies who are breastfed. And that gut flora is abnormal and predisposes the child to all the problems that the GAPS patients suffer from. And then uh, the food industry blossomed at the same time. So there was a lot of junk food, processed foods, which feed pathogens in the gut very well and change our gut flora too. And then at the age of 15, 16, this lady was put onto contraceptive pill, which she took for quite a few years before she was ready to start her family. And contraceptive pills have a devastating effect on the gut flora. Mm -hmm. So the generation of these young ladies, by the time they're ready to have their first child, have a very different gut flora to the generation of their mothers, what they've acquired as babies themselves. Their gut flora is far more damaged much, much deeper damage. And that is what they're passing to their babies. And what I see in my clinic, and I'm sure many other uh, holistic practitioners see, that every year, the group of young ladies who are having their children, their gut flora is a little bit worse, a little bit more damaged than the group of young ladies who were having babies last year Mm -hmm. or five years ago. This is escalating. This is an avalanche coming upon humanity. Mm-hmm. Nobody's counting what proportion of our population has abnormal gut flora. Mm-hmm. From my clinical experience, it's, a, it's the majority now. In the Western world, it is the majority. And it is this epidemic that is silently underneath all the other epidemics. Because it is this epidemic, the epidemic of gaps, 
that is causing the epidemics of autoimmune disease, infertility, mental illness in people, in children and in adults, diabetes type 1, and all sorts of other degenerative chronic conditions in people. Mm-hmm. So what do we do with these people? We have to go to the very root of our health, where the roots of our health are, to the gut, to the digestive system. We have to change the gut flora of the person. We have to normalize it as much as we possibly can. Uh, many researchers say it isn't possible to make it normal. It is possible to make it as good as it gets for, for a particular individual person. The person will be vulnerable for the rest of their lives, but they can control it. They can live quite a healthy, quite a successful life, but being aware of it and looking after it properly. They can't just eat whatever comes their way and expect that they will feel well, like the previous generations did. Mm-hmm. The generations of their mothers, uh, previous generations really could eat whatever they wanted and they were okay because their bodies had a very different constitution, very different uh, gut flora. They were born in a very different time on our planet. Children who are born today, it has already been estimated that a large proportion of those children will not outlive their parents because their constitution is extremely poor. Mm. Their parents will have the grief of actually burying their own children. And that proportion of children is growing every year in the Western world because these children just have an extremely poor constitution. And from my point of view, a large percent of constitution, what we mean by constitution of the person, is the gut flora that the person has acquired right from the beginning of of that person's life. Dr. Natasha, many people seem to be choosing a plant-based lifestyle nowadays as well. And I'd love, we have to take a short break, but when we come back, we'd love to dive into that topic as well. And just to see, um, you know, what do people need to know before choosing to become vegetarian or vegan? And we can talk about your new book that's, uh, that is out and it's called Vegetarianism Explained, Making an Informed Decision. And in it, you say, Uh, about changing your diet uh, to a vegetarian diet, you say changing your diet is a very serious decision and it will have a profound effect on your health. Before making a change, it is essential to be informed about how food works in your body and what may be the consequences of this change. Uh, Dr. Natasha's book, Vegetarianism Explained, will give you up-to-date scientific information about how plants and animal foods work in the in the human body and how Mother Nature intends us to feed ourselves. This book should be given as a present to anyone who is considering becoming a vegetarian or a vegan. And if you care about this person, please ask them to read it first. This is from Dr. Natasha's book, Vegetarianism Explained. And you are listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio and and our guest today is Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride, and you can connect with Dr. Natasha's healing work, work at www.gaps.me, that's G-A-P-S dot me, and we will be right back with Dr. Natasha Campbell-McBride. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying inspiring voices, facing challenging realities head on, opening up new places of power, and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. 
The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. In the last couple of decades, vegetarianism has been vigorously promoted in the mainstream media with claims that it will feed the growing population, that it is kind to animals, will save the planet, and that it is a healthy lifestyle. The fact is the only way to support populations of vegetarians is through chemical industrial agriculture. Only by using machines and toxic chemicals can we produce the yield of plant matter necessary. This is from Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride's latest book, Vegetarianism Explained, Making an Informed Decision. You can find this informative book on Amazon or at vegetarianismexplained.com. Dr. Natasha is recognized as one of the world's leading experts in treating children and adults with learning disabilities and other mental disorders, as well as children and adults with digestive and immune disorders. She's the author of the book, Gut and Psychology Syndrome, as well as uh, the book, Scaps Stories and Put Your Heart in Your Mouth. And she is an international lecturer and trainer. Dr. Natasha will be also be speaking at the next Weston A. Price Conference in November in Minneapolis. 
Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you can check that out on the Weston A. Price uh, website. And you can also connect with Dr. Natasha's work on her uh, about her upcoming events at gaps.me. So welcome back, Dr. Natasha. The quote I just shared from your book, Vegetarianism Explained, really sums up my own profound wake-up call and lifestyle transformation after learning about the ecological footprint of vegetarianism. Not not just an an external ecology, but also the internal ecology, as you so beautifully described um, in our last segment about um, the gut. And um, if you can just go into more detail about this, that would be great. Absolutely. Working with uh, patients with mental illness, uh, I, I became alarmed to see how many young people would come to me with anorexia nervosa, with obsessive compulsive disorder, depression, and even psychotic disorders who became ill because of misguided vegetarianism. Quite often, in quite a, a large proportion of these young people, before they became vegetarians, they were perfectly healthy children. They were not even GAPS children. Mm-hmm. They had healthy gut flora, they were doing very well at school, they were bright, they were never ill. Uh, and then something uh, made them to try vegetarianism. Maybe some of them tried to lose weight or start dancing classes or start horse riding classes or something else or something said something unkind to them. And uh, they took a vegetarian route and that led to an absolute disaster. Absolute mm-hmm. disaster. So this spurred an intense study into this area because the promotion uh, from vegetarianism and veganism is very aggressive in the world, particularly in the Western world. Mm-hmm. And uh, the result of that study is this book, Vegetarianism Explained. It is essential for people to get the scientific information, to know the data, to know what happens in the body when you change your diet because food is the most profound profound effect, has a, a, the most profound effect on human health. There is mm-hmm. nothing in this world more powerful in its effect on human health than food. Yeah. And uh, I'm afraid our mainstream medicine and many other mainstream agents uh, don't believe that and would tell you otherwise. Uh, but from my clinical experience and from experience of many other people, uh, and if you try the diet yourself, you will find that that is true, absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Every morsel of food you put in your mouth changes everything in your body. So when the, what we need to understand that the Mother Nature gave us two groups of food on the planet, the plant foods and the animal foods. And these two groups of food work very differently in the human body due to the fact uh, that human digestive system is designed in the way it is. Our digestive system has been designed in such a way that it best copes with animal foods. If you think about it, all energy on our human, uh, on our wonderful planet is recycled. The new energy comes from the sun. In order for something to capture that energy and turn it into solid matter that we can touch and eat, Mother Nature created plants. They've got photosynthesis, they capture the sunlight, and they convert it into green mass. In order then for something else to benefit from the sunlight in the form of green mass, Mother Nature created herbivorous animals, cows, camels, goats, horses and other herbivorous animals. And in order for them to digest that plant matter well, Mother Nature gave them a very special digestive system called rumen. It's very large. They have several stomachs full of microbes. It's not the cow that digests the grass that she eats. 
It's the microbes in her rumen that break down that grass for her and convert it into nourishment uh, for the cow's body. In order then for something else to benefit from the sunlight in the form of herbivorous animals, Mother Nature creates the next group of uh, creatures on the planet, and that is omnivores and predators. And we belong in that group. You have a digestive system of a wolf or a dog or a lion. And we have only one small stomach. We don't have a rumen. And if it is healthy, it's virtually devoid of any microbes. And it produces hydrochloric acid and pepsin, which are only able to break down meat, fish, eggs, and milk. Only these substances, our stomach is able to digest properly, break down properly. Then whatever is digested in the stomach is passed into the several meters of intestines where the absorption of food happens. That is the area of the digestive system where all your food, whatever got digested and broken down, absorbs well. So whatever is digested in the stomach absorbs in the intestine. And then whatever was not properly digested and absorbed finishes up in the bowel at the end of our digestive system, which is an equivalent of the rumen of herbivorous animals. That's where we have the majority of our gut flora sitting, majority of our microbes. And that's where they can work a little bit on the undigested plant matter, on the um, cellulose in the plant matter and, and starch and other things, and convert them into a few nourishing substances for us, so that can sustain us between meals. But by then, the bulk of absorption is completed. It's too late by then. Plant matter is largely indigestible for the human beings. It does not digest well, and it does not nourish us well. All traditional cultures around the world knew this fact. They knew that is why they put maximum effort into getting animal foods to nourish themselves. And there are many, many examples around the world presented by Weston A. Price, by Anderson, and by many other uh, people who traveled around the world and studied these traditional cultures. Plant matter is indigestible. That is why all these traditional cultures developed methods to make plants a little bit more digestible, a little bit more nourishing for us, such as fermentation, molting, sprouting, and cooking. Many of these methods have been forgotten nowadays and replaced by the food industry's processing mechanisms, which suit their agenda. And uh, these foods, they, they, they turn into processed substances, which are the cause of all degenerative diseases in the world now. It is the obesity epidemic, the heart disease, the diabetes. It is the processed junk food that is sold in supermarkets that is causing uh, these disorders. Mm -hmm. Laboratories did a lot of analysis of plant matter and they find that plants are full of nourishment, full of protein, full of vitamins, full, full of this and that and the other. However, and it is deceptive because this information is then published in vegetarian books and vegetarians mm -hmm. believe it. The problem is that human digestive system is not equipped with any of the methods we can use in the laboratory. We can use all kinds of methods uh, and chemicals for extracting nutrients out of plants in the laboratory. Human digestive system cannot do any of that. Plants are largely indigestible for us. So what's the role of the plants in the human uh, body? Why do we eat plants at all? Because plants are powerful cleansers. It is important for your body to be nourished well, and it is important for your body to stay clean. That's why we combine plants and animal foods. And uh, so the animal foods are the ones that build your body, create your heavy bones and your big heavy brain and your liver and your heart and your lungs and your muscles. And every cell in the body also lives a very short life. 
it dies and it gets replaced by newly born cells. In order for the body to give birth to all these myriad of cells every day, building materials are required. These cells have to be made from something. These building materials, the quality building materials, can only come from meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Because they are the easiest for the human digestive system to break down, to absorb, and to benefit from. Also, the protein that comes from plant matter has, is, has inappropriate chemical composition for the human body. The amino acid composition is inappropriate. The only appropriate amino acid composition uh, of the protein comes from the animal foods. Because animals are made largely from similar proteins that our own body is made from. It is the easiest uh, uh, way for us to convert their protein from meat, fish, eggs, and dairy to our own proteins, to build our own tissues. So in terms of building and feeding your physical structure, your physical body, your hormonal balance, your neurotransmitters, your very hungry brain, your body spends a lot of resources feeding the brain every day. It is animal foods that you have to consume. But in terms of keeping your body clean, uh, plants will do the job very well. And the more they are raw, the, the more powerful they are as cleansers, uh, the more we cook them and process them, the less they're able to cleanse you and probably give you a little bit more feeding. But <clears throat> what they do uh, give you too much uh, is the sugars and the carbohydrates. And many people can't tolerate large amounts of carbohydrates, particularly starch. That is the processed plants, highly processed plants, particularly things made out of flour and sugar are the cause of all our um, epidemics of degenerative diseases, particularly obesity, cancer, heart disease, and diabetes in the world. Mm -hmm. One argument that uh, many people uh, put forward to become a vegetarian or vegan is um, we are kind to animals or uh, we're saving the planet. If you analyze that, where our food comes from? If you are working very hard in your own organic garden, trying to produce your own organic plants, that, that uh, deserves respect. However, people who have organic gardens will tell you that it is not possible to produce enough plant matter to feed even one vegetarian for a year from an organic garden. Vast majority of vegetarians and vegans do not have gardens. Even if they do, they buy their food in supermarkets. Where does all that plant matter come from? It comes from arable agriculture. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. The whole phenomenon of vegetarianism uh, has blossomed in the 20th century and, and now uh, because humanity discovered oil and that allowed humanity to build big machines and power them with oil and start plowing large territories of soil and created modern industrial arable agriculture. Modern industrial arable agriculture is the most destructive force on our planet now as a number one contributor to the global warming. That is an absolute fact, because every time we plow the soil and apply agricultural chemicals to it, we destroy that soil. The soil under your feet is the most precious part of nature, because that is where all life begins and ends, pretty much. The more we destroy the soil, the more we destroy all the whole life chain, the whole life web on our planet. And arable agriculture is doing exactly that. Science has proven the fact now that all deserts on our planet have been created by man through arable agriculture, through growing of grains in particular, growing of wheat. Because every time we plow the soil, apply chemicals, harvest and plow it again, and apply chemicals and, and harvest, the more the soil becomes uh, dead and turns into dust, 
and turns into desert. Desertification is a very active process going on on our planet at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, far from saving the planet and far from being kind to the planet and life forms on the planet, by becoming a vegan or a vegetarian, you become an activist for the destruction of the planet. Because the only way to feed the hordes of vegetarians on this planet is through arable industrial agriculture. There is no other way to do that. And if you uh, look at it, in terms of from the point of view of the industrial agriculture, producing plants using machines and using uh, chemicals is much easier than working with animals. Because producing animals on a large scale, particularly in the confined uh, animal operations, is expensive. Chemicals needed all the time. These animals need to be fed antibiotics and steroids and all sorts of things all the time because they just don't survive those environments. And the uh, governments are upon them all the time with um, demands for sanitary restrictions and for illnesses and all sorts of things. So it is much easier for an industrial farmer to just buy a few combined harvesters and huge tractors and chemicals and plow and plow and plow and grow plants rather than produce meat, fish, uh, meat and, and eggs and, and milk. Mm -hmm. But from the point of view of organic, natural farming, it is just the opposite. Working with animals is easy. All you have to do is provide them with a natural habitat that Mother Nature designed them to be in. You have to have your animals on pasture. You have to have your chickens and turkeys on pasture because they eat a lot of grass and they find their own food there on the pasture. The worms, the grubs, the insects they find. And uh, just make sure that you keep moving them. As soon as they've used one patch of pasture, you move them on. So that bit of pasture can recover for three, four months. And then in a rotation, rotational system, uh, these animals and birds will make, every time they come back to that patch of soil, the, the top soil becomes an inch thicker, or maybe even two inches thicker, depending on different uh, factors. Because animals are the creators of the top soil on our planet. Their manure, their excrements, their relationship with the grasses, the way they use the grasses, that, had, that's, that is what has created topsoil on our planet, and that's what will restore it and rebuild it. And for your information, our topsoil is the biggest reservoir of carbon on our planet. Mm. And unfortunately, every time we plow and apply chemicals, we release that carbon into the atmosphere. Our arable agriculture, industrial chemical arable agriculture, is the biggest contributor to the global warming without doubt. And scientists have already uh, calculated that if we converted even a fraction of arable fields in the Western world to pasture and put herds of animals on it, cattle and pigs and sheep and chickens on it, we will sequester large amounts of carbon out of the atmosphere back into the soil. Because that's what animals do. They build topsoil. And the plants that they work with build topsoil. The, we can reverse global warming by this simple measure. In a matter of a few decades, we can reverse global warming. We can uh, return carbon back into the soil. But unfortunately, that goes against the interests of those um, very powerful agrochemical companies which are in charge of Western governments and Western government policies on uh, food and agriculture. Um, this and media. In media, right, media. Many, yeah. many, I was giving a presentation to NOFA, to Organic Farming Association in America, and I said that uh, one of their big companies is um, having influence on their government. 
And when I said that, several pe- people out of the audience shouted out, they are our government. Mm. These uh, companies are very influential, extremely powerful. They put their people into Western governments, and uh, which dictate their interests, their commercial interests. They make their profit on selling chemicals and machinery to the farmers. And no matter how much profit they've made this year, these are multi-trillion companies, they want more profit next year. Mm. So how can they keep increasing their profits? By selling more chemicals and more machinery to the farmers. How can they do that? By increasing the amounts of arable fields, by getting rid of forests, getting rid of pasture, getting rid of all green belts around towns and cities, plowing everything down just to grow grain, just to grow soya, to grow any of this uh, plant matter. And I do believe that the propaganda for vegetarianism and veganism is coming from those people, from those companies. It's done in a very clever way, so you, it's difficult to trace it back to them. But if large proportion of the population turns vegetarian, these people stand to gain huge amounts of profit from that. Mm-hmm. Because that's who you feed, vegetarians and vegans. If you turn vegetarian and vegan, you are feeding those companies. Because you're eating more plant matter. By stopping eating meat and eating eggs and, and other animal foods, you're eating more plants. Mm-hmm. And these plants can only be produced for you by chemical industrial agriculture. Because when it comes to natural, organic, biodynamic production of plant matter, growing plants in that uh, setting is the hardest thing to do. I have my own farm. We have 28 acres. And I will tell you that from my point of view, we, we are organic and biodynamic. And from my point of view, animals and birds are easy compared to growing carrots or potatoes or anything else. Or any other plant matter. Because when you try to grow these things naturally and organically, nature just doesn't want you to grow these things. We have deer, we have rabbits, we have insects, we have birds. And... and uh, the weather changes and all sorts of diseases attack your plants and all sorts of things happen. Mm-hmm. So it is, the, the yield is very unpredictable, it mm-hmm. is irregular, and it is just not possible to produce uh, the yield of plant matter necessary for even one vegetarian to live entirely on plants uh, for a year. It isn't possible. The only way that you can get predictable yield is through chemical industrial agriculture because there's an army of scientists there working out. Now uh, you plow today, then 10 days you later you spray this, um, 10 days later you spray that, and then you do this and then you do that. And all these uh, methods work. And mm-hmm. they provide you with hybrid seeds, genetically modified seeds which work in that environment and with those chemicals, they bound together with those chemicals. It works. It does produce the yield of the plant matter necessary. But what quality is that plant matter? What's inside these plants? Their nutritional composition is very poor and they're full of chemicals. And mm-hmm. so eating large amounts of those plants is far from being, it's not a healthy thing to do at all. Mm-hmm. But the vegans and vegetarians believe that they're going to be healthy by eating lots of plants and uh, not eating any animal food. Uh, the reality is just the opposite. Veganism, the extreme uh, side of vegetarianism, it is possible to be a healthy vegetarian as long as the person continues eating some animal foods to feed and build the physical structure of their body. Mm-hmm. And majority of vegetarians uh, choose to eat eggs and uh, full-fat dairy products. You have to have good quality dairy products from proper cows and raw and on pasture and organic in order to benefit uh, from that dairy. Mm -hmm. So 
This, this is the kind of vegetarianism that exists in India and has been existing in India for a very long time. That is why a cow is a sacred animal in India. You can be prosecuted for harming a cow. Cows, they stand in the middle of a motorway or a road and everybody <laughs> carefully drives around that cow. <laughs> she, she's not to be disturbed because in India there are so many people. It's, it, it's the most populated country in the world. If they start eating their animals, they probably will eat all of them in one week. <laughs> there will be no animals left. <laughs> that is why they uh, consider their, their cows sacred because the cow gives them something they cannot survive without. Mm -hmm. She gives them butter, ghee, cream, milk, cheese. And that is a source of nourishment and building their human bodies, the feeding and the building their human bodies. And also people in India all keep chickens and ducks and eat a lot of eggs. Whenever they have it, and whenever they have a chance to get some meat, they will eat it with pleasure. Yeah. Majority of them, their vegetarianism doesn't come out of any religious or moral uh, ground. It comes purely from practicalities of economy, mm -hmm. of poverty, uh, of not being able to get any meat. And uh, there is a lot of research in this area uh, done. And uh, unfortunately, of course, many young people in this world do not read any research. They don't research anything. They just. Mm -hmm. Uh, make this uh, vital decision based on emotions and based on something they read or somebody they, they talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vegan diet is not a diet. It is a form of fasting. You produce, you provide a huge amount of cleansing for your body, but you provide no feeding for the body whatsoever. A cleaner body always feels better than a, a polluted one. That is why in the first few weeks while the body is cleansing, the person can feel quite well. And you can read uh, glowing testimonies to that effect on the vegan and vegetarian books. Mm -hmm. But then at a certain point, the body would finish cleansing and it needs feeding. It will become hungry. And it will give a very strong signal to the person, desire for a steak, desire for a pot of cream for a piece of cheese or some other animal food. But because many of these people choose veganism for emotional reasons and for moral reasons, they override that signal. They don't listen to their body. They drive themselves to continue eating plants. And that's when de de degeneration sets in. And that's when we start getting problems. I have seen far too many patients who have destroyed their bodies and their lives by following that lifestyle. And Dr. Natasha, we have uh, there. We have about one minute left before closes, and I just want to make sure that you have a chance to share exactly what you want to share before we go. Okay. Well, I think I've said enough on this subject. Please read my book, Vegetarianism Explained, and if you know anyone who would like to choose that uh, a plant-based lifestyle, please give them my book as a present, because it is important for a person to make this decision on an informed basis. Get the information first before making such an important decision. Don't make it based on emotions because it's a very serious decision. Absolutely. Allow me to thank a sacred activist, author, healer, uh, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride for being with us today on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio and for sharing her paradigm shifting work of integrity with the world. There's so much more to learn. So be sure to order her latest book, Vegetarianism Explained, and all of her other books on Amazon. And you can connect with her on her website at gaps.me. It's been such an honor, dear Dr. Natasha. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, we'd love for you to join us next week right here as we will continue to explore Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's 
core message of nourishment as we will talk with Sally Fallon, the the founder of the Weston A. Price Foundation, about nourishing wise traditions for baby and child care. In the meantime, you can join us on Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio's Facebook page, follow our Twitter feed at Revolution Well, and connect with us on our website at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. And don't forget to log on to Becoming Embodied. Facebook page as we would love your feedback. Thank you for joining us on this journey towards revolutionary wellness. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you be well and may we all be well. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing, to greater degrees of compassion, and to pathways to health for our world with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.